New Horizon has been serving the church in Northern Ireland since 1989, and we're delighted to bring you this talk today. We trust you will be blessed through this ministry. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good morning. It's still the morning, isn't it? Um, nice to see you all. I love the way people filter in, sit at the back, and then don't come too forward, but that's okay. We've got a mic. Um, I'm hoping you're enjoying um, New Horizon. Um, it's going to be a wonderful hour for you guys. Um, as I welcome this morning, um, welcome churches to you. You might not know who they are. They're relatively new in the ground, you would say, Kerry. Um, Kerry's brand new as well. So uh, Kerry Fee is from Welcome Churches in Northern Ireland. Um, and basically their strap line is right here, no refugee alone. So we're really looking forward to how um, learning more and more about Welcome Churches and how they support churches across the UK and welcoming refugees into our communities and then into our churches. Um, so uh, Nathaniel and Kerry, if you wouldn't mind both coming up, I would like to pray with both of you as you join with us. There's going to be lots of different things going on. Um, so if you would just, uh, if you want to Put your hands out. I'm a big fan of that as we, as we pray for um, Kerry and Nathaniel. Um, that would be great too. Okay, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for these wonderful two people and what they bring to your kingdom. And we pray um, as they speak with us this morning that your love and your grace would flow through um, their words and actions and deeds. And we pray your blessing upon Welcome Churches. Um, and that organization as they grow here in Northern Ireland. And we pray for those others here speaking this morning too, that you would be with them um, and give them um, the words of wisdom. And we thank you so much for their stories and we value them so much. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. And thank you everyone for choosing to be at this seminar when you could have been somewhere else, sunbathing or another seminar. So, so we pray and believe God's brought you here for a reason, and I hope God's going to speak to you over the next hour or so. As, as Laura said, I'm, I'm Nathaniel. I work for OMF International as their area rep here in Ireland, and traditionally we've been a, a, a mission that, that sends people to the nations, but more and more we're uh, equipping and working with the church to reach the nations right here in Northern Ireland, which is a big thing on my heart, as well as hearing from Kerry and her involvement in that. We're also going to be hearing from Rachel, who, who works for Starfish uh, and has been critical in organizing many, many Christian hosts for those coming from the Ukraine. Uh, and and uh, Rachel's also brought her friend, um, Maya, is that right? And we're going to hear from you as well. So, so you, you and your daughter, uh, Victoria, are very, very welcome. Um, yeah, so John Stott, who was quoted in the Bible reading, he said that, that we need to live with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in another hand. His point that if we're to live faithfully as God's people and obediently in the times and places that he has us, we need to understand what's going on in our world and in our culture. And then we have God's word and God's word with its eternal truth and wisdom illuminated by the Spirit is going to inform us of how we should engage according to his heart and his will. And certainly one of the huge headlines in Northern Ireland over the last few years uh, uh, and, and ongoing is the arrival of the nations here in unprecedented numbers. People from all over the world making Northern Ireland their home. Uh, maybe we could call them the new Northern Irish. And some of them have be, come at the invitation of our governments um, to build up and sustain the economy, to sustain our services, 
Uh, think of many Indians working in the tech industry, many people from Philippines, for example, working in the NHS, many international students um, from countries like China, which, which uh, uh, have a huge positive impact on our local economy. But of course, there are thousands who are here because they've fled persecution, they've fled war, and they're desperately seeking sanctuary, a peaceful and a safe existence for themselves and their children. Um, so increasingly, we find that our neighbors are from different parts of the world, and we're living in a far more diverse society than ever before. And in light of this, what are we as individuals and representatives of the local church to do? We as God's people who understand and share God's heart. We, God's people who exist to be a witness to his goodness and his grace, which we have experienced ourselves so lavishly. As Christians, we are taught and shaped by God's word. So let's remind ourselves before we do anything else of what God's word says about people who have to leave their homes and find themselves as foreigners in a different land and what God's word says to us and how we should relate to them. First of all, I think our attitude and our response to the whole hot issue of migration must be defined by seeing all people through the lens of them being created, in, created by God and in his image. This means whatever a person's race or religion, we will firstly see their innate value and beauty. Each of them was worth Jesus suffering and dying for, and each are in need of the grace and eternal hope that only he can offer. And in light of this, we cannot treat anyone with indifference or prejudice or host hostility, um, because if we do that, we're in fact um, insulting their maker and whose image they were created. And I think even beyond this, we, we, it means we actually have to counter any attempts in society or media to demonize or dehumanize certain groups of people through stereotyping or scaremongering. So it's not enough just to be, be, be silent. Silence is often complicity when we choose not to stand up and speak up for those who are uh, uh, subjugated to this kind of um, treatment. And in the Bible, we see at the very core of God's story uh, are, uh, and, and the story of God's people is homelessness and displacement. Abraham leaves his home in Ur at God's command and goes in faith uh, out, trusting him to lead and provide. The Israelites find themselves in Egypt. The Israelites roam the desert for 40 years. The Israelites are exiles in Babylon. Jesus' own parents uh, fled as refugees to Egypt to, share, to save his life. The early Christians were scattered through the nations as persecution broke out. And Peter reminding them, reminded them that they are aliens and strangers in this world, but with an eternal citizenship and home. And because of this, the Israelites, um, when they did find a homeland and, and settled, um, were, were commanded by God to welcome, protect, and treat the strangers amongst them well. Because God reminded them that they, of all people, should know what it is like to be in those people's shoes and, and, and should respond to them with compassion and empathy. And the way that the people of Israel were to live and treat others, particularly the poor, the stranger, the marginalized, was to be a witness to the nations. It was to point them to the one creator God who's the Lord of all nations. And that's applicable to us as God's people, the body of Christ, right here in this time and place. And as we live out our faith in this way, the Lord will use us to build his beautiful intercultural kingdom. And the king, character of this kingdom, um, when it ultimately comes in all his fullness, will be people of all nations knowing the Lord and worshiping him together. 
And God has, throughout history, been allowed people to move around the earth and, and giving them opportunities to experience his love and hear about him from those who know him. And this is happening at an unprecedented scale at this time in the globe, the movement of people around the world. And God is in the middle of this, working out his purposes um, in people um, f finding him through meeting and receiving friendship and hospitality from his followers. And we get to be part of this if we take these opportunities, which we now have. And the church in Northern Ireland has an admirable history of playing a role in blessing the nations. It's punched above its weight, probably, in supporting people, uh, sending and supporting people who go around the world with the objective of showing and sharing the good news of Jesus in all its fullness. Um, and this has indicated that the church's allegiance um, is to a greater kingdom which is for all people. It's indicated that they have a commitment to give their resources and, and their prayers and their people to see this glorious global kingdom come. But the radical difference now of the times we find ourselves in is that the nations are, are right here and, and that changes the way we think of mission, global mission and our involvement and, and because we have no excuse we can't think that we're just the ones who send, who, who give money, who pray. We're people who can be witnesses to the nations right where we are. And just before I hand over to, to Kerry, um, kind of linking to the theme of New Horizon this week, we've been thinking about how we renew our minds and we seek to have the mind of Christ. And so we remember that Christ, Jesus Christ, was the one that taught God's people that they are to love their neighbors as themselves and that their neighbors are those different to them and often demonized and despised like the Samaritans. Jesus who wept over Jerusalem. Jesus who spent his time with those who were on the margins of society. Jesus who went into the temple and, and, and smashed up the market stalls because he said this was supposed to be a house of prayer for the nations, yet the gatekeepers had turned it into a marketplace. And, and Jesus who called his followers to a radical generosity and hospitality, to be a people who delighted more in giving away than clinging on to their own wealth and security, people who clothed the naked, fed the hungry, and welcomed the stranger, and in doing so, welcomed the very one um, who bared his image. So I hope that as you listen to Kerry, as you listen to Rachel, as you listen to Maya, that, that you will think, um, what does the Lord require of you and your churches in this time and place? So I'm going to now hand over to Kerry, who is the coordinator of Welcome Churches. They're part, uh, they, they have a network of over 1,000 churches across the UK who are welcoming refugees and asylum seekers. Well, thank you very much uh, for that introduction. Um, as I said, my name is Kerry Fee, and I'm the Northern Ireland coordinator for a charity called Welcome Churches. Welcome Churches Vision. Sorry, while well, I move this. Welcome Church's vision is that no refugee arriving in the UK should be alone. We want every refugee to be welcomed by the local church, finding a place to belong within the community. And we're passionate really about three things. Wanting refugees to thrive in the UK. To thrive and not just to survive, so that they and their families can rebuild their lives and be fully involved in their communities. And we're passionate about refugees following Jesus. Some refugees arrive already 
maybe Christians, uh, but many other refugees arriving in the UK gives them the freedom and the opportunity to explore the Christian faith for the first time without fear of intimidation or persecution. Then we're passionate about refugees becoming fully involved in UK churches. Refugees are a gift to the church in the UK and we have much to learn from them, from our brothers and sisters from other nations. And we encourage you to help refugees become properly part of your church and not remain as a refugee work on the side. At Welcome Churches, we believe in six key principles as the foundation of welcoming refugees and asylum seekers. The first one is welcome. Christians are called to love and welcome strangers, whatever their cultural background. Every church has the privilege and the opportunity to welcome and care for refugees and asylum seekers in some way. Then empowerment. Refugees are resilient and creative and we want them want to be part of restoring their choice and power in their lives. We want refugees to grow in their gifting and leadership and to benefit for the church to benefit from their unique contribution. Then we also want to be part of building community. Churches are well placed to provide community and care to those who have lost their homes and their, whose families and uh, maybe recovering from trauma. Then relationship. We value relationship with other organizations, networks and individuals. We help churches to create um, connection relationally with partners in their own communities to provide integrated support to refugees. And our next principle is religious freedom. Refugees arriving in the UK should have the freedom and the right to explore faith without fear of intimidation or persecution. And we want churches to be really well equipped to help them. And then finally, Nathaniel mentioned it as well, justice. Uh, the church uh, should be at the forefront of challenging injustices faced by refugees and asylum seekers in the wider community. So what's the situation in Northern Ireland? Well, as many of you are aware, the number of refugees and asylum seekers coming to Northern Ireland has grown exponentially in the last year. We currently have 1,250 asylum seekers in around 15 hotels in Belfast, in Bangor, Carrick, Fergus, Mollusk, Londonderry. We have the same number in dispersal accommodation. That means they're in houses and, or apartments that are provided by Mears, who's the company uh, that are contracted by the government to provide asylum seekers with accommodation. The largest number of those are in Belfast, but that is rapidly changing because Belfast is facing a housing sh shortage and shortages of school places. And so dispersal accommodation uh, will soon be across the whole of Northern Ireland. The, the ripples are already at, going out from Belfast into Lisburn, Castlereagh, North Down, Antrim, and out as far as Derry, Londonderry. So, refugees. Uh, according to Denise Wright from the South Belfast uh, Round Table, around 500 people seeking asylum were granted uh, refugee status each year in the past. However, 
that number is set to rocket because the number of people seeking asylum has rocketed. Um, then Ukrainian refugees. Around 1,300 have been granted visas to come to Northern Ireland. We don't know exactly the number who are in Northern Ireland, and that's largely because so many arrive through the south that they're not recorded as entering. But back in May, over 700 had um, been through the help centres uh, that the government set up. So I think that the estimate of 1,300 is getting close to how many people are here, but we don't know exactly. Um, then there are um, Hong Kongers. There are around five to 700 Hong Kongers have been granted visas and have arrived um, to come to the UK on the system called the British Nationals Overseas Visa. And they're not strictly speaking refugees because uh, they arrive with permission to work and they have, have to be financially self-sufficient to come to the UK. Uh, but their needs as newcomers are still really relevant. Around 65% of those Hong Kongers have come to Belfast uh, and around 20% to Lisburn, 15% to Bangor, and there are also a handful in places like Derry, Cookstown and Newry. So we have had doors open for welcome churches to invite churches to get actively involved in welcoming those uh, in the hotels. And I really believe that God has been preparing his church in Northern Ireland for such a time as this. Northern Ireland's changed dramatically in the last 14 years. When I first arrived in Northern Ireland, I'm Scottish, I confess, uh, we moved from London and I worked in a big multicultural city centre church. And I remember arriving in Northern Ireland and just thinking how white Northern Ireland was and how monocultural, duocultural it was. Um, but now, you know, then you stood out if you weren't Northern Irish. You stood out if you looked different. But now when I go outside my door in Belfast, I see people from every nation. And now when I go to church, there are families from every nation. And families from every nation that we've prayed for for such a long time. Um, my question for the church is, are we ready? Are we ready to make room for others? Are we ready for believers from every nation to come and to welcome them, no matter what their background? Are we ready to wrestle with cross-cultural discipleship and all the challenges that brings to our churches? Are we ready to welcome the stranger and show them God's unconditional love? Are we ready to help meet the needs of those God has brought to our doorstep? I've got a short video uh, which we created for Refugee Sunday. And I'd love us to watch it because uh, it shows a little bit of a glimpse of how churches across the UK have been getting involved in welcoming refugees and people seeking asylum. So we've always had a heart for international mission. Uh, we've been doing sending people or supporting things in other nations and also wanting to be a town-affecting church. But those two things don't marry up potentially until this moment, when suddenly you have an influx of people from another nation who are gonna to come to your town. And that, that felt like an answer to years of prayer and a heart for something we, we couldn't really reconcile. I'm just really aware of 
uh, asylum seekers arriving in the city being really isolated and so we wanted to, to do something to help um, and help people find community and um, to know that they're welcome. I found because they are from other countries it's difficult to have a family you know like a grandma like a grandpa like a, an auntie or sister who visit because they are just there by their own I, I think with the time they can find that kind of people like an adopted family from church so that's the big thing and takes time because it's not easy to, to, to have it so um, one of our key projects is, is welcome boxes and we've got a wonderful team of befrienders that go out and welcome refugees that are new to our city and they take a lovely box of, of gifts and, and over the next six to eight weeks build confidence and relationships. We were meeting so many people through welcome boxes uh, in various parts of the city but it was difficult to keep up regular contact with them or to know uh, we wanted to be able to offer them community and friendship, uh, so we decided if we run a, a group here on a weekly basis then we can say this is where we'll be, you're really welcome to come and join us. Well for me it's been uh, putting stuff on for the women and the children um, to give the women a sense of purpose and choice and help with the children and then more recently we've done a coffee, chat and craft on a Friday morning. We had got four sewing machines and individual sewing kits and they've turned out amazing stuff. And then we've had them cooking Afghan food down at the hub, our, our hall, and they just loved it. And one lady very enthusiastically said to me, thank you so much for letting us cook and wash up. Mm. We, we've been doing English lessons, cultural training, taking them out to football, paying for a football pitch, playing football, lots and lots of sports, badminton, table tennis, swimming. And they're, they're, we're running about 16 events a week now, on a regular cycle. There's a lot of great training and support out there through the Welcome Churches. We all went on the Afghan training at the beginning. We got our people on that. It's really helpful to have people who are experienced in this because we weren't. I think early on when we were doing English classes, we were asked to be part of a prayer, central prayer evening in church, and um, we invited people to tell us what English meant to them and the number of people who thought that they felt safe here. And that was really special. Actually, when we first arrived in London, we had nothing so apart from a single clue. And when we arrived uh, in Watford, the Welcome Church given us a lot of support. And now I love Watford a lot. I like not only me, my wife and my uh, children. So even sometimes we, we, we think that we were born in Watford. So this is really loving place. I've met people that have, have come and they felt really nervous, really anxious, and they've become part of the church. And they're, they're such key members of the church now, so full of life and full of joy. And it's, it's because of community, it's because of a sense of belonging, and that's what everybody needs. I think there are just so many people out there that we're not really aware of who are so lonely and isolated and it would make such a difference if they had uh, a welcoming face, someone coming just to say welcome and to say hi um, and to show care and concern and just to be a bit of a, uh, a lifeline, you know, a touch point. I think it can make the most enormous difference and we don't even realise what small thing can make such a large difference. 
people who come as refugees, evacuees, asylum seekers um, have been traumatised and lost faith in human nature. And they don't want things done for them, they want people to be with them. Churches made a big difference because people in church, they show Jesus and I can feel that love in church. So church is the main thing and thank you God for the churches here in England. Every single last one who came here, they are really grateful to the Welcome Church. I pray that that video has inspired you to think about how your church might begin to connect with refugees and people seeking asylum. In my role, uh, as when I meet with church coordinators, I want them to think through five key questions. First of all, how can you begin to make contact with refugees and asylum seekers regularly? Then, how can we deepen those friendships with our new neighbours so that we can walk with people through the challenges of learning to live in a new culture far from home? Then... How can we get our churches praying? Praying for those we are seeking to share God's love with in word and action. Then how can we prepare our volunteers to answer people's questions, answer our new neighbors' questions about our faith, about God, about the Bible, about church and all that we believe? And how will we rise to the challenge of becoming an intercultural church? where believers from all nations can serve and grow, and where language and culture aren't a barrier. Each of those questions are a journey for your church, and it'll take time to work out. As Welcome Churches, we want to walk alongside you uh, in that journey, and you may be at the very beginning of your journey in welcoming refugees, or you may already be experienced. We have lots of experience within our team, uh, and we are here to partner with you and with other organizations to help you to find the expertise you need. We also want to say that if you want to get started, but you don't know where to begin, or uh, you just like to see another model of what other people are doing, I'm more than willing to connect you with people who are already doing this ministry and to try and help you work out what you can do. Um, if you're not sure how, your church, how much your church can take on, then let's talk it through. Uh, let's find ways to help you get started that are manageable for your church. We don't want you to be overwhelmed. We want you to be equipped uh, and to feel confident in the training you have to welcome refugees. So we're on a journey and we're learning how to minister to refugees and people seeking asylum. And we want that to impact all areas of church life. It's an exciting journey to be on, but I think maybe just some practical steps to help you on that journey. First of all, can I encourage you to join uh, the Welcome Church Network? It is free to join. It means you can be visible to others and you can also access all our resources. Refugees and people seeking asylum are a very transient people group, and they're often, through no choice of their own, moved around the UK at short notice. That means they can arrive in a new place feeling totally isolated and being unfamiliar uh, with their new surroundings. 
And then when they move, uh, they often want to, if they've connected with you in one place, uh, they want to connect with others who'll also welcome them. Um, I guess give you an example. Uh, if you meet someone uh, they, in the asylum system, they can be moved literally 24 hours notice and told without knowing that morning where they're going, where they're going that evening or the next day. So they might be moved from Belfast to Glasgow or to London uh, at that short notice. And the, having the network of churches, we have over a thousand churches across the UK who've already committed to welcoming refugees and asylum seekers, means that you can then go onto our network, find a church where they're moving, even though they're moving that day, get in touch and know that that church has the heart to respond and to welcome that person. Um, the Welcome Network is a simple web-based platform. It's a national referral system. Um, and it will help you to welcome refugees. And, uh, and other organizations can also use that network to refer people as well. Uh, but we're all committed to and equipped to welcome refugees. So do use the network. Uh, use it to refer people. So when my friend, let's call her Ashia, is moved from Belfast to Glasgow, with your permission, with, that, with her permission, I can link her up quickly uh, with a church that has that heart. So referring is really caring for people, and it is also gospel partnership in action. Then also be equipped. I don't know about you, but when I think of all the different issues in welcoming people who've been through traumatic situations, I want to be equipped to do it well. Uh, and you can do that by accessing our resources hubs. We have training for all of our network churches and amazing resources, um, and some on video training and some things you can download. Uh, we, for example, have a Ukraine welcome hub with information about Ukrainian culture uh, and information on how you can begin to welcome Ukrainians. We also have a well-being and trauma hub, uh, which has a series of three trauma awareness videos where are excellent in both understanding what people have been through and also in how we care for our own volunteers as they live that trauma with people and then also we have a video uh, that can be used to watch for someone who is from a refugee background themselves and you can watch it with them to help them think through how they care for themselves we also have a legal hub with an overview of the asylum system on a video training um, and also things like safeguarding for refugees just to help your church think through these issues. And we have a discipleship hub with resources uh, to help Christians grow or to help answer the questions of those who are seeking or asking questions about the Christian faith. Then we've got a hub for refugees online. Um, short videos to help you think through how to provide access to the internet um, or data uh, for refugees without ending up with 100 people queuing at your church door. Um, we've got specific training, uh, which was mentioned in the video, for Afghans, for Ukrainians, and for our UKHK project, which is our Hong Kong welcome project. Um, do come along to our training uh, and bring your church. The training's advertised on our social media. Um, yeah, our training is advertised on our social media and you can come along and you can find about any of these kind of topics. Uh, but we have some specific tra training this month on, we've got a Ukraine Connect meeting, we've got an Afghan Connect meeting, we've got a Welcome to the Network meeting and we've also got um, 
training on supporting hotels, accommodating people seeking asylum. So do come along and do speak to me about how your church can get started in welcoming refugees. Um, but a few concrete ideas. So if you're thinking, what can my church actually do? What could we start this term? Here are a few ideas. Um, welcome boxes. So for churches who are seeking to get started in welcoming people, seeking asylum and refugees, this is for people who are living in your area or close enough that you can go and visit them. Uh, you can partner with us to run welcome boxes, uh, which is a project where we will train a main coordinator and a second coordinator if you need, uh, and all the volunteers. And then those volunteers will seek to welcome newly arrived refugees and asylum seekers uh, with love and with friendship. And it starts by bringing a box of gifts. Um, local welcomers uh, from your church will then go and visit the family or individual and will support them for up to three months. Um, and really they're trying to help them to get to know local people, uh, to get to know the local area and to connect with local support, including all that your church has to offer. Uh, Welcome Churches uh, currently work with referral agencies on this project um, to help people find out about Welcome Boxes and to re get referrals to churches. Um, and we, yeah, really, as I've walked with a number of families over the last year or two, I really believe that this is a strategic way that you can gain confidence but genuinely support people who are in need of just God's love and God's kindness and it can really make a huge difference to people. Um, if you want to find out more, sorry I put the information too late, uh, then scan that QR code or go to welcome boxes, uh, sorry welcomechurches.org forward slash welcome boxes. The information is on your seat as well. But other ideas. You could consider starting a conversation cafe or English lesson. It might be that you've got a food bank and you can begin to build on contacts you're making through your food bank with refugees and asylum seekers. Or do you run a parent and toddler group? Think about how you can invite refugees and asylum seekers to come to that and to engage. Or Maybe you run youth organizations, or maybe you run a, a kids' club. Our own church has started a, a parent cafe alongside um, our Friday night kids' club. And it's amazing how that's helped us connect with whole families. And we really have the nations in that cafe every Friday night, and it's a brilliant way to connect. Um, or it could be as simple as playing football, playing badminton. It just finding an opportunity to connect with those people and to make the most of those opportunities with your new friends. Uh, if it, as a church, you are not ready to start your own ministry, but then you're thinking, I still have a heart to do this. Don't be afraid to then say, well, let's partner with others. There are other organizations like International Meeting Point or Acacia Path or others who you could volunteer to help with their activities and perhaps gain some experience and then pray that you might be able to bring that back to your own church. Um, I would mention hosting, but Rachel is going to talk about that, so I'm going to leave that to later. The other thing we have is the welcome course, which is specifically uh, designed for welcoming Hong Kongers, but we're hoping to adapt it in the future for everyone. Uh, it's a six-week course that you could run in your church to welcome newly arrived Hong Kongers. And we have people uh, who are connected uh, with 
the government, with others uh, who are willing to just go, this is brilliant, we run this, we got funding from the government to put it together and they're happy to advertise it and get people to come along so that they can connect with people, learn about British culture, learn how to share stories, um, learn conversational confidence and friendship building. And it's really excellent. You can have a look on our website at the resources and see if you would like to run it in your church. Or perhaps um, you're from somewhere like the North Coast and you're thinking, hmm, what else could we do? Well, we, we ran a project called Welcome Holidays where you could... Um, your church could host a group of refugees or asylum seekers uh, for a short break uh, to escape the stress of life, maybe in Belfast or maybe somewhere else. Uh, and for the church, that's an opportunity to host refugees and to provide, I guess, a generous welcome and a break, an escape, uh, and a chance to welcome people in God's name and to show love to them. For the refugees, that's just an amazing opportunity Perhaps they're, they're staying in a, a hotel or staying in difficult situations just to connect in a different way, to actually have a little bit of normality in life. So you could consider running that with us and we would support you in doing that as well. In summary, um, can I encourage you to join the network, to access resources, do be trained up to do this. I know sometimes it feels intimidating to get started, but we can really equip you to begin that journey. Um, access the resources, come to our training, and talk to me about how you can be more proactive as a church and the best way to go forward in welcoming refugees. Um, you can join our mailing list, um, or you should have a leaflet on your seat, or you can pick up uh, one of my cards if you want to get in touch with me. I would be more than happy to chat with you and help you to begin that journey of welcoming. Nathaniel, back over to you. Thank you so much, Kerry. Lots of food for thought and, and how wonderful that Welcome Churches are here to resource God's people in Northern Ireland to, to show God's love and grace to the nations who he's brought to our doorstep. Now we're going to focus on a slightly, well, a certain part of the world, Ukraine, which is very close to Rachel Graham's heart. So Rachel, please come and uh, join me. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. Please, please take the mic um, to explain um, how you've been involved in this. So, so maybe tell us first a little bit about the, the situation uh, relating to Ukrainians coming to Northern Ireland to, to seek sanctuary. Um, there have been about 5 million that have left the country. Um, mm -hmm. There's about 77,000 in the UK on the mainland, mm -hmm. about 45,000 in the Republic of Ireland and um, around 1,000 in Northern Ireland. So it's a fairly small number, really. Um, however, there are many, many more families that would like to find sanctuary here. We had an email yesterday with a list of 80 families currently looking for safe homes, um, and we were asked to try and help with those. So. Um, it's dropped out of the news, but there are many families either still in Ukraine or perhaps in a shelter in Poland or Romania, um, which is not a long-term plan, and they really need safe sanctuary in Northern Ireland. Okay, and in response to the Ukraine crisis, you set up Starfish. Maybe tell us a little bit about the organization, why you set it up, and, and, and what you do. 
Um, yeah, so I've been involved in Ukraine for about 20 years through a church partnership. So when the war broke out, I um, was thinking and praying about how we could help. Um, and at the time, they'd opened up the south of Ireland to refugees. So I contacted a friend, a Christian working in the south, and I asked him to ask some contacts if there was an appetite to host Ukrainians in the south. Um, and he, he did, and he said there was. So at that point, we thought we should just stop and pray and ask for a real sign as to whether we should continue. Um, and the next morning, I had a contact from a Ukrainian friend who asked if I could help a family um, find safety in Ireland. Um, that was actually the family that's going to speak to you in a minute. So that was the answer to our prayer. We started with one family, and it was very obvious that it was going to grow quite quickly. Um, my niece is married to a Ukrainian, so we pooled resources. Um, and we set this up. Well, we, we, a friend made a website because we thought it was kind of getting out of control. We named it Starfish, working on the principle of the little um, story of the little boy on the beach. He was walking along and he sees a lot of starfish washed up on the shore um, and he starts to throw one back and another one. And an old man tells him that he's wasting his time because there's so many that he won't make a difference. So that's the principle of Starfish. We know there are millions of refugees fleeing Ukraine and there's only a few of us, but if we can help one or two, well, then we've made a difference to that one or two. So that's the principle. So, so far we've homed about 300, most of them into Christian families in Northern Ireland. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What, how, how churches and Christians have responded here and how they can continue to respond? Yeah. Um, those that have hosted have hosted in a selfless, um, self-sacrificial way um, and it has just been a joy to watch people open their homes because it's not easy to have people into your homes that you don't know and there's a lot of red tape and running about once they arrive helping them with benefits and jobs. Um, I think we have about 90 to 100 families um, on board with us. Though I would have to say I'm probably quite disappointed um, the way the church has responded here because um, we know how many Christians are in Northern Ireland and how many Christian families there are and how many churches there are. And I know there's many, 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 many more people that could open their homes. Um, I know it's, it's a big ask, but it is so biblical. Right through the Old Testament, the New Testament, we're, we're called to welcome the stranger. And I just think we don't need to be we don't need a bolt from the blue to tell us to do it because if we have a home with a couple of spare rooms and a little bit of time, um, we're just obeying God's call. I was really um, taken by what the preacher said this morning. I have to read out his verse. Um, so I've only been up here today, so I can't. I don't know his name. Was it John? I think so. I just thought this was so beautiful. He said, "Are oh, you all probably there?" For he delivers the needy when he calls the poor. And him who has no helper, he has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. And then he quoted a guy called Alex Matir, I think. He said, it is the quality of his mercy that will win souls. And I honestly believe that by us opening our homes, welcoming refugees, some are Christians, some aren't, that we will see souls, souls saved. They may be Ukrainian or they may be our neighbors that ask what we're doing. And we really focused on trying to put Ukrainians into hubs. So perhaps a small town has a few churches that have got on board 
And oftentimes we families, Christian Ukrainian families and non-Christian Ukrainian families, and they're already, the Christian Ukrainians are praying for the non-Christians. Um, and it's just such a witness and it's such a blessing for the host. So if you're really thinking about it, don't hold back, just trust God and go for it. Yeah, which leads to my next question. If someone is feeling convicted that they or their church should do something, what are the things they should really consider uh, and what are the next steps they can take? Okay. So the scheme, Starfish, we're just a bunch of um, Christian volunteers happy to help you. Um, the scheme is the Government Homes for Ukraine, so it's an official scheme that you would um, be sponsoring through. Um, if you feel you'd like to help, so the main criteria is that you have a spare bedroom um, and it's easier for us to host people if they live in a city or on a bus route. It's very hard to place Ukrainians where it's really rural um, because they can't get anywhere. So if you have a spare room in a city or on a bus route, um, a little bit of time, get in touch with us. We've put cards on the seats. You can find us here. Um, and our little team will help to match you to a family. Um, we try to match sort of somebody that's going to be suitable for you. We let you talk to each other before you commit to signing up to the government scheme. We can help you with the visa process. We can link you to our network for mutual support and help with sort of finding English classes. So we can provide quite a bit of support. So really, I would say pray about it. If you've got a spare room, just give us a shout um, or we can just have a chat with you if you just want to talk about it a little bit more. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, and finally, how can we be praying for you and the Ukrainians who are making Northern Ireland their, their new home? Um, well, I would like you to pray for more hosts because we really do need them. Um, but pray for the hosts because it is, it's, a, it, it's a blessing, but it's a challenge all at the same time. Um, we think when we have gone through the visa process and you know, brought a family here, sort of that's the end, but really that's just the beginning. It's the beginning for the family, it's the beginning for the Ukrainians. So really pay for the Ukrainians. They're adapting to a new culture from various levels of trauma. They've left family behind. Um, they're confused. They're, you know, they're, they're hurting. So pray for them. Pray for the organizations that are helping them. And just, just pray for us that we have wisdom to do it well, to do it right, and to, that God is glorified in everything we do. Thanks so much, Rachel, um, for sharing. And uh, I'd love to invite uh, Maya up now, um, who's... Who's going to share? Yes, if you take the microphone. So, so could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been in Northern Ireland? Yes, sure. Um, my name is Maya. Uh, I have my husband and five children here. We arrived uh, in the beginning of March to Republic of Ireland. We left Ukraine when we heard about two nuclear plants being occupied and fired. The hostel was fired actually, praise to God, not the plant but it was getting more and more dangerous and uh, when children are underground we have uh, usually we have we live in multi floors buildings and if they are crushed children can be and families can be buried under so we don't have uh, proper underground uh, equipped for such cases we never expected war and it was hard to believe uh, and at the first day of war we were in kiev we had our small advertising business and we were happy there. We have very nice country, very beautiful, very friendly, like Irish people. I would say that Ukrainian people are very like Irish people, but we speak Ukrainian and you speak <laughs> English. This is the difference. 
and you have a, a background of Christianity and we have a background of atheism, but for 30 years we turned to Christianity and we have a little road of Christianity as well already. So we, our people mostly believe in God, but we don't smile as much as Irish people just because for 70 years of communism we were taught not to smile. Mm. <laughs> so for you to understand why Ukrainians seem to be very serious and sometimes we look uh, disappointed or unthankful just because we have such face expression, not because this is in <laughs> our hearts. Uh, in our hearts we really appreciate being welcomed here uh, it is amazing that churches are very active um, and we feel homely and loved here and our host help us to become independent step by step we appreciate that very much mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how long have you been in Northern Ireland in now? Northern Ireland we are two months mm -hmm. and thankfully settled yeah. That's wonderful. And what would you say are some of the, the, the biggest challenges or difficulties you've faced um, since coming to Northern Ireland? Um, I think a lot of mental work. Mm -hmm. For many Ukrainians, it's a big struggle and challenge to learn new language. Most Ukrainians don't speak English and it, it is hard. <laughs> it is hard to believe that we can start speaking new language. For me, when I speak language, uh, a lot of w mental work to help other Ukrainians to do paperwork, to to understand your culture, to explain the difference, to melt prejudice. Um, so, mm -hmm. a lot of mental work. This uh -huh. is the hardest thing, uh, yeah, I yeah. think. And what are some of the things you've in enjoyed or appreciated about Northern Ireland and Northern Irish people? That you are joyous, mm -hmm. that you smile, that you love us. Well, we're, we're so grateful that that has been your, your experience, and we pray it that we'll, we'll indeed. continue. I can um, say amen and praise yeah. God to what I yeah. heard from yeah. video and from you and you and, and you. Rachel. Thank you. This is true. Yeah. Praise God for you. Mm -hmm. Make a big praise God. Wonderful. And going forward, um, what message would you give us to help us to understand um, people coming from Ukraine and, uh, and their needs? And, and how we can stand with you and, and support you going forward. You do it, just go on. <laughs> Keep doing it. Yeah, you do it properly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And finally, how can we, I mean, it makes a huge difference when we meet someone and we see you and we, we see your daughter. Uh, now we will remember you and we'll pray for you. you know, often we hear numbers, we see things on the news and it seems like we're watching a movie. Well, for me anyway, um, but it melts our hearts when we meet people. So, so we'll be praying for you and your family. But particularly, how can we be, be praying for you and your family in the coming months? I would ask you to pray that God give us grace and wisdom, mm -hmm. how to protect our nuclear plants and how not to, not to start nuclear war. Mm -hmm. We just have this big need because a lot of our relatives are still in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. and we need a victory and mm -hmm. good victory. Okay. Please okay. pray with us. This is our pain even when we live here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we definitely will be praying for you and, and for others in Ukraine and those who've had to leave Ukraine. Okay. And so we really appreciate you being here 
and sharing so honestly, uh, moving our hearts maybe to be more compassionate, to show God's love, love to others like yourself. You uh, are uh, very and, compassionate. Uh, and, and very, yeah. very compassionate. We appreciate that okay. so much. Yeah. Th th thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're, we're coming to the end of our, 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 our time. Um, Maya and Rachel and Carrie and myself will be around if you want to um, ask questions, if you want to follow up, if you want to take um, next steps. I would just say, um, before I pray, a few closing comments. Um, it's, um, we, we uh, I mean, I'm very passionate about this partly because I, I came from another part of the world uh, and have found my home here and been welcomed by people and found community and, and, and brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think Northern Irish, you can be very hard on yourselves. <laughs> I, I think, think, think it's not part of your culture to, you know, there's a lot of humility, uh, 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 but, but, but there are, are wonderful gifts and resources that God has given you. And I think he just wants to flame that, you know, uh, fan that into, into a fire. And, and I hope that you will have been moved th this morning to think about what, how does the Lord want uh, to use me. But I hope you'll also be advocates and, and you'll share this message with others uh, uh, as Maya has been saying, as Rachel has been saying, as Carrie has been saying. There is such a need and there is such an opportunity and it's unprecedented. And we are a land so blessed with um, spiritual and material resources and we need to share it to, to truly be God's obedient, faithful people uh, and be witnesses to the generosity we've received. We have to go out and not just practice it ourselves, but take this message back to our churches. Maybe have some, maybe annoy a few of your church leaders and your friends, <laughs> risk annoying them by saying, come on guys, you know, the nation's on our doorstep. Uh, and to be obedient to God, we need to be generous. We need to look up. We need to look out. And I believe, as Kerry's already referred, that God is bringing these people to bless us. We maybe think, oh, we, we should be generous, we should be kind, but God will enrich us, will transform us as we meet people like Maya. We hear their stories, we hear what they've been through, and see their faith and joy in the midst of things we cannot imagine. That is going to deepen our faith and our understanding. And also as our churches become more multicultural, intercultural, we're going to see and experience God in all kinds of new and wonderful ways um, as we learn from our brothers and sisters and we reflect that beautiful image of the kingdom when it comes in all its fullness, the people of every tribe, nation, and tongue worshiping Jesus together. We can taste that here. And, and what a witness to the world. The world is so broken, so much hate. And if they see a group of people from different cultures, different backgrounds, who in the world are enemies worshiping together, are they not going to ask questions? They're not going to say that this, I don't know what this is, but there's something going on here which is better, is, 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 is good news. So, so I think we have such an opportunity and it's wonderful that people like Rachel, people like Kerry can help us take those practical next steps. We, we hopefully know the theology, we know what we are to do, but, but, but we have these partners to help us to do that. So I'm just going to close by praying that the Lord will take us from here and that we will be able to put into practice what, what he wills. Um, Father God, we thank you for what we've heard this morning. And we, we, we need you. 
We need your help. We need you to mold our, our hearts and minds to have the mind uh, of Christ, which um, was just broken and full of love um, for the world, and particularly for those who needed welcome, those who are strangers, those who are on the margins. May we have hearts like that. May our churches be shaped to have that kind of culture um, where, where all feel they can come and are welcomed and, and, will, and can belong. And may we be sacrificially generous and open our homes, open our lives, and not just be interested in, in projects and ticking boxes, but being friends. Um, so many people I talk to, they say, what, what we need more than anything is friends, people who will share their lives with us. May, may we be that to, to, to people. And I pray um, that we can go back to our churches and people we know and, and, and challenge them and lift their eyes also. And I pray particularly for um, Kerry and, and Welcome Churches. Um, bless them. May they have your favor as they connect and equip and partner with many churches and just being places of welcome where the nations can come and taste and experience your love and your goodness and come to know you and worship you and, and become our brothers and sisters. I pray for Rachel. I thank you for this burden that you put on our heart and, and the way she is laboring in love for, for the people of Ukraine. I pray for favor and blessing. She's told us there are so many who are waiting for a home and a welcome. And in this place of such abundance, I pray that you will break the hearts of many of us to, to be an answer to those prayers and, and open our homes and our lives to those who so desperately need peace and, and sanctuary. And I, I thank you so much for Maya. I thank you for her family. I thank you for bringing them here and, and, and protecting them. I thank you for the challenge and the witness they are. And I just pray in the days and months ahead, they will know your peace and your presence and just that they are so welcome here and, and that you will use them to teach us and to be a blessing to many. Uh, and, and we just go from here, um, just wanting to be your servants and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you on behalf of uh, New Horizon um, for everything that you've spoken about. It's not a coincidence that um, I actually visited the Ukraine in 2019. Um, so my heart breaks um, for you. But um, um, just thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Rachel, we think you're amazing with all that you do. And we just really hope that you've been impacted by what we've heard this morning. There is um, a feedback form on your seat, um, if you wouldn't mind taking two minutes just to fill it out for us. And please come and see these guys. They're going to be assuming up here or around about. Please don't leave if something is, is on your heart that God's telling you to do something. Thank you so much for coming and uh, have a good rest of the day. Thank you. New Horizon has been serving the church in Northern Ireland since 1989 and we're delighted to bring you this talk today. We trust you will be blessed through this ministry.